This is To Catch a Con Man, Season 2, in the victim's voices. I will take you on another fascinating journey, but this time you will hear from other men and women that, like me, have fallen prey to the various cons, scams, and deceits by one of the most prolific and successful con artists to live and operate in the Midwest. You know him as Ricky Dugo. Could a hundred grand sustain my life? It couldn't even come close. So, so listen to me. If I was going to be in some sort of con, scam, conniving thing, it'd be for millions. It wouldn't be for $100,000. To Catch a Con Man is brought to you by Studio 847 in Long Grove, Illinois. Listener discretion is advised, as some of this programming contains language and content that might be offensive to some listeners. Join me on this adventure to catch a con man. This is Adam Albin. On this last episode, we heard part two of Scott's story, a journey that started with meeting a new neighbor who, unbeknownst to him and that entire Greg's Landing neighborhood, would turn out to be one of the most prolific and successful serial con men to ever live and operate in the Midwest. Next, we travel to one of Ricky Dugo's favorite vacation and conning spots as we head to the Lake of the Ozarks in the 2016 and 2017 time frame. We will meet a guy that also liked boats and cars and the lake life. Little did he know who Dugo really was as another amateurish investigation attempting to expose Rick starts to gain traction. Unfortunately, as you will hear, the Missouri Attorney General declined to do anything with this case. And once again, a major law enforcement agency passes on the opportunity to take Dugo down. Let's meet Britt. studio today uh, from a distance again um, we've got uh, a gentleman from the Lake of the Ozarks um, who back in the uh, 2016-ish time frame also became a Ricky Dugo victim. Uh, on with us we've got Britt. How you doing Britt? Good buddy, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks for asking. Um, Good. So 
take me back in time. Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. You know what you're doing. You, 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 you obviously you live in Lake of the Ozarks. I do. Yes. Okay. Um, and uh, the time frame is right, like 2016-ish. Yeah, it was probably the around August, maybe, is when I met Rick, 2016, I think. Great. Uh, tell me about that. How did you meet Ricky Dugo? Oh, uh, I met him in a gym. Uh, he actually rented a house just down the road from me in our gym that he come to when he would come to the lake. It's just right up the top of the road, so... He was there every weekend that he was here, you know, every morning, Saturday morning, Sunday morning, and big, loud mouth. <laughs> I mean, everybody talked to him. He knew everybody in the gym. The owner liked him. Everybody liked him. So it was easy to talk to. Did you happen to approach him? Did he approach you? Uh, I believe he was talking to the owner of the gym, which is a good friend of mine, and I walked up, talked to the owner, and me and Rick started talking. Great. What was that first conversation like? Do you happen to remember it? Oh, man, I don't know. It was about boating, how long I'd lived there. You know, just trying to make friends, I think, is what he was doing. What it seemed like. Getting to know me. Okay. Um... And, and then from there, I mean, what happens after, you, you know, that initial meeting? Do you, you see him around town or you, did you guys swap phone numbers? Yeah, he, he told me he lived down the same road and there's a couple bars down here. And I think we were, maybe me and my wife were going out one afternoon or something. And I think that's where he kept his boat. So he... I think he told us he would meet us over there, have a drink, which is the weirdest thing. He he never drank. Like that dude would never touch a drop of alcohol. So me and my wife, we go to the bar and we're having drinks, and him and Shannon show up. And I mean, he, my wife, she liked Shannon. She she was nice, you know. Seemed like a a good family so she liked hanging out with them they had kids we had kids it was it was uh, easy to hang out with them they were they were cool right okay so so you're going out to bars or and he's not drinking but i mean you guys are forging a friendship it sounds like uh right yeah yeah you've got a lot of commonalities uh you know boats the lake life um right yeah um, so like, do you start going to the gym with him? Is he, is he asking you to like hang out more and more? Yeah, he, uh, we exchanged phone numbers and when he would come down, he would text me, you know, on Saturdays, you know, you go to the gym, I'll meet you up there, we'll work out. Then it started, I don't know, we'd go, I think we went to dinner one night at a restaurant here at the lake, just the four of us. And it wasn't, I don't know, a couple weeks that I have known him. He, uh, he asked us to go out on the boat. So we'd go out on the boat with him, which I, I never met. He knew a lot of people, but he never hung out with them. It was weird. So anybody, anytime we'd hang out, we'd have to go hang out with people I knew. You know what I mean? Right. 
So tell me a little bit about his boat. I mean, uh, I don't know a whole lot of boats. I'm not a boater, you know, boating kind of guy. I've always wanted a boat, but uh, what's so special about his boat? Well, I mean, it, it's a nice boat, cigarette boat, big motors, fast boat. He bought them. I mean, it's a it's a cool boat for the lake, but it's there's. I mean, he wasn't the big dog on the lake. There's a lot of cooler boats than his, but I guess guys, guys that. Uh, I think his performance where he kept his boat it's a big boat racing crew which I don't think Rick ever raced boats but he was in with all them guys kind of knew them and hung out with them and that's down at the marina huh that's down at the marina yeah yeah down at the marina okay I think they took care of his boat for him worked on it for him stored it for him when he wasn't here but that's down the street from the house, and that's just, there's a restaurant there, in the same place, and that's where we all kind of, kind of met and hung out. Right. So you're hanging out on his boat, and uh, at what point? I mean, does he tell you? I'm assuming he's he, he's telling you a little bit about what he does here in Chicago. I mean, yeah, car washes, uh, car wash, in the car wash business. He told. Yeah, had a couple yeah. of those, right? Yeah, he had a couple of them. So it was kind of, I guess, made sense. Car wash business. He carried a lot of cash. Everywhere he went, he had a lot of cash. cash. So I was like, I don't know. He did car wash business. There's a lot of cash in the car wash business. So I didn't think nothing of it. Right. So nothing was, sus- you know, suspicious. No, I didn't seem like it, no. I mean, it was kind of suspicious how you make so much money off car washes. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, he's renting a buddy of mine's house down the street, which is not cheap. And he's driving a F-350, Dooley. And then in Shannon, I think they had another newer um, top, uh, Yukon, Denali or something. She drove it. They had a big van. They drove a big van down here from Chicago. I guess they had, they had I think, two kids at the time, two boys. So they had a big van. And it's, so it was kind of... I was like, I wonder how you made so much money off car washes, but I was like, hell, Chicago had big car wash. <laughs> you make a lot of money. Yeah. Um, all right, so he carries a lot of money. He's in the car wash business. You're hanging out with him on the boat. You're hanging out with him at bars. What happens yeah. next? I mean, does he, at what point, how long do you know him before he actually pitches you? Uh, I would say not very long. I mean, it wasn't, it was a, I think I was getting ready to buy appliances for my house. New appliances, you know, refrigerator, stoves, dishwasher. And I think I've mentioned something to him that I've been looking, and he said something to me about a place called uh, AABT, I think, is up there in Chicago. Correct. And he said, if you need some stuff, I can get it at a cost or a discounted price. And I was like, well, yeah. I mean, if you can, he goes, once, I think it said like once a year, I make an order. And that's kind of how we got to talking about it. And after that, after I told him, I, I was like, yeah, I'll pay. And he asked me, he said, get on this website, find what you want and let me know. And I'll put in the, in the order that I make, I'll, I'll dip. I'll start doing you a favor. You know, he's always doing you, doing you a favor, he said. Like, if he does anything for you, I'll help you out, he said. I was like, great, dude, yeah, perfect. Um, so I sent him, you know, I got on the website, 
found what I wanted. And after that, he said something about, they asked me if I wanted to make a little money. I was like, make money? I was like, what do you mean, make money? And he goes, well, I got this guy in Chicago that's he, he needs TVs. He's opening a sports bar. He needs a bunch of TVs. So I didn't really understand. Other I guess he buys TVs for guys. Hell, I don't know. So he asked for, I don't remember what it was. If you want to help him out and give him some extra money and we'll buy these TVs and he'll split it with me. And then he asked if I wanted cell phones. And I was like, dude, I don't want to hassle with trying to sell cell phones. You know, I mean, why would I? I build highways. I, I don't want to get on eBay and try to pedal phones. And he said it was a great deal. Um, I don't even remember what phones cost. 60 or 800 bucks. I think you get them for like 200 bucks and sell them five. I don't remember. I was like, I don't care, dude. Give me a couple phones. I'll, a few phones. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take some phones. If I can sell them, I'll sell them. I'll keep them up for myself. I need a new phone anyway. Sure sounds familiar. Sure sounds like the uh, electronics what? and appliances uh, ABT scam he had perfected since the late 1990s. Um, well, that's what I've learned now, yeah. So, at this point, I mean, you ordered some uh, appliances for your for your kitchen. You ordered some cell phones. I can't imagine, mm-hmm. I mean, what does that run you right there? Is that eight thousand, ten thousand dollars 10000 Uh, well, I think, I don't remember. I have, uh, yeah, I would say something like that. I mean, everything on... Everything on there was that I had to order. I mean, I had to order a double. Uh, yeah, it was expensive. It was for ten grand, maybe, for what I wanted, you know. But that's what that's all I wanted. And he, the guy, I don't remember. It was seventy TVs this guy wanted. So that was, uh, a lot of money for <laughs> yeah. seventy. I think it was seventy TV, big TV, like sixty-five inch TVs to put in there. <laughs> I I can't remember how much actually got he broke it down, obviously. I mean he, he made it sound like he knew what he was doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, so he's got you like yeah, prices. He's, yeah, he's got you um for appliances for your house, a couple phones, and then he's asking you to invest in yeah. TVs for a bar owner in Chicago that opens a right. bar and installs you know, 70 to 80 of these humongous TVs and he gets them mm-hmm. at 30% of the value. This is all rinse and repeat. This is a, an identical scam. So in the end, Britt, what do you got invested with Ricky Dugo? In total? Yeah. 30,000. $30,000. So mm-hmm. he's going to, he's going to, he's going to get you what you need, appliances, cell phones, and then he's going to give you a cut. What, how did he explain the cut of his deal on the TVs? Was he doubling your money? What was it? Well, I got the text right here in front of me. It's, this is the TV the guy wants, 70 of them. 30% of that is 1800 bucks is what he's paying for the TV. He pays 3600 for each. We double our money, and he saves 2398 <laughs> Just wanted to see... What you were thinking, he said. So that's you, how he, he texted to me. Wow. 
Okay. So this is identical to the scam uh, he's running. Uh, this is the backstory for his electronics deal. Uh, uh -huh. Okay, so I mean, at some point you, you, you agree to you know do the deal with him. Um, is it a cash deal? Do you, do you wire money? How do you give him the money? No. 20... 2400 I took it out of the bank. He came down on a Friday night and I gave him $24,000 cash. And that my deal was done. Like that's that's what it cost me for everything, the TVs, well, however many cell phones and then appliances for my house. You know what I mean? Right. And then it was, uh, there's always trouble. Every time he, it always has a problem. Something happened. Something fell through. So he called me and or texted me. I don't remember how many days after that it was, and said that he needed a little more money to get the deal done. So I was like, "Well, what do you mean, get the deal done? Like, if nothing goes through, you don't get the deal." He goes, "No, I can't get nothing if I can't get this whole deal done. You know, need six thousand more dollars." I was like, well, hell, 20, 24,000, I'm 6,000 more bucks. What's the, you know, I got to get the deal done. So I wired, not him, I wired his, what he, who he called was an accountant, John Grant, 6,000. Mm. On, oh, what day was that? Maybe the end of September? Maybe that's what it was. And this is all 2016. Yeah, yeah, yes. So, <clears throat> um, I've seen that uh, confirmation um, of that wire transfer. Uh, you so uh -huh. generously allowed me uh, access to that information uh, back in 2018 or 2019. Um, you did send a confirmation of $6,000 via wire transfer to Rick's buddy, Johnny Grant. Um, you know, the interesting thing there, Britt, is uh, that's actually wire fraud, not on your part, but on, uh, on on their part. And then conspiracy to commit wire fraud. Those are both federal charges um, that should have absolutely been investigated, um, especially by Missouri. Uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, okay, so, so how are you feeling at this point? I mean, He's got you for 24. He does his same coming back to the well for more. He's got a problem. The problem, maybe some other guys dropped out of the deal. Maybe he's got to pay off a, a driver. But um, basically, uh, at that point, I'm assuming you feel stuck, right? I mean, what's this is your only play, right? Is to help him out. Right. Yeah. At the time, I mean, it happened. Let me, it happened, pre I mean, he asked for the money, the wire transfer pretty quick after, like he had left maybe that weekend after I'd given that money. So it, it wasn't a few days. So I didn't think nothing of it yet. I mean, it got a little fishy, I guess, when, you know, like you said, maybe that was the excuse. It's hard for me to remember what, he had so many excuses that why the deal wouldn't go through or what happened. Maybe a guy dropped out. I don't remember what it was, but at the time it didn't seem like such a big deal. Six minutes, here you go. 
get the deal done. Give me my stuff, my wife's. She wants new appliances. Just go get it. Whatever. And after uh, a while, it got real fishy when I wired the money to a guy named John Grant. I guess that did seem pretty fishy. Did you ask questions? Uh, yeah. I mean, I was just like, well, "What's the deal?" I mean, who? I didn't. You didn't have to ask. I mean, he he tried to he tried to stay ahead of you. Looking back now, you could see that's what he was doing. He was trying to say like he would give you the reason before you ever like why sick why you need six more grand. Who's who's John Grant? And he would tell you what you're doing before. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's driving so he the bus. Really think, huh? <laughs> he's driving the bus. <laughs> he's driving the bus. So you didn't think nothing of it because he already was like, well, this is my accountant. This is he'll grab the money. He'll run it over. I, I'm stuck at the car wash unloading soap or some bullshit story. He would tell you. So he's got 30 grand of your money. You, you've wired across state lines to, to his buddy. You don't know it's his buddy. You think it's his accountant. And then, mm-hmm. and then the excuses, I'm assuming, uh, talk to me about some of these excuses. I mean, Oh my God, dude. They're, uh, I'm trying, it's hard for me to remember. So I'm just going back. I, I saved every text. So I just, I read them. I mean, what, what we text back and forth, Maybe it, Shannon was pregnant, so there was always a problem with the pregnancy. She she don't feel good. She you know what I mean. But me, uh, his daughters, I don't remember her name, but that was always a big deal. It's she was always sick. He couldn't get to this. He couldn't get to that. Something fell through. Um, I think he even told me one time that his cop buddies had to follow a truck because they didn't want to get robbed in Chicago and they couldn't get all organized to do it was, it was uh, everything you think of this dude would come up with are you feeling I mean how long uh, let's let's maybe go back to this part uh, and then I'll ask you how you're feeling I mean how long is he stringing you along for initially I mean before you're like something's up few weeks you know a couple weeks two three weeks finally I was like dude what what the I think it was supposed to have a turnaround to like a week a week or two like he was going to go back home do, get the deal done do whatever he does sell some TVs grab some appliances I think he had guys that were going to bring my shit to me so a couple weeks after a couple weeks went by I'm like hey dude where's my stuff what's going on you know what I mean? Yeah. But he would still come to the lake. I mean, the next weekend he came to the lake, hung out, everything was fine. He, he, I, I don't want to say the dude's, I don't know the guy's name. He brought some guy with him. Yeah. And he, he said was a detective or a cop in Chicago. I can't remember his name. He had a wife, maybe a Russian wife or something. And we all hung out. Everything was fine. Then after he left and went back, that's when all the excuses started you know did the deal ever come up in front of this other guy no did you ever feel like the other guy who was a cop maybe he was a victim I didn't 
Well, I didn't even think I was a victim at the time, so sure. I don't. After yeah. no, I, I just thought it was one of the. After I figured out what Rick was, I figured it was one of his shithead friends. You know, somebody that did it with him. I didn't know. Gotcha. Um, so he's coming back up. I, to didn't, the... I didn't. I didn't even actually know if the guy was actually a cop. I, I, you know what I mean? I can't remember the first name. I know we've discussed this. Um, he had many cop buddies. A couple from the gym. Another one. Mm-hmm. Um, but how are you feeling during this time? I mean, you know, he comes up to the lake, shows his face. You, you may feel. Do you feel better that he's there? Like maybe, maybe it's not. You know, screwing you over. Or things are normal. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I felt, yeah. I mean, he came late, so I didn't think nothing of it. And he was renting a friend of mine's house. And that friend of mine, I don't remember him ever saying anything at the time about anything bad about Rick, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think he paid that buddy of mine rent, but I, he never mentioned it to me. Which, well, I mean, we're, we're just, I call us friends. I mean, we're acquaintances. We don't hang out all the time, so I don't see him a lot, you know what I mean? So it's yeah. not that he would probably just come tell me. So I just, I figured out, well, hell, he's written that buddy of mine's house, so, well, making that payment, it had to be quite a rent payment, so. I thought everything was fine. So he kept coming the lake, he obviously was paying his rent. And then, I don't remember what the date was. It was the end of summer. Summer had to be getting over. I mean, the boating season, you know what I mean? Yeah down here at the lake and I he called me I might have went and helped him pull his boat out of the water because I don't think he ever took his boat in and out of the water I think performance did it for him and they'd pull it out put it in storage for the week pull it and take it back and put it in his slip when he was coming down on Friday so he was going to take his boat home and I think his excuse was he had to get the motors worked on so he he called me. I went over to help him pull the boat out of the water. And I guess the biggest red flags when we pulled the boat out of the water, it was on the trailer. You got to wipe it down, you know, dry it off, clean it, put a cover on it. Well, he owns car washes and apparently makes millions of dollars a year, it seems. We get in the back of his truck and he's pulling out fucking cleaning products that I can go down to O'Reilly's and buy. Does that make sense? Yeah, so... so I mean, he's, he's pulled out spray, like spray wax, and then you go down to O'Reilly's or Walmart and pick up, and I'm like, this dude owns a fucking car wash. He's a professional car washer, and he, he's got this shit I got in my garage? Where's the good shit you clean cars with? I mean, why wouldn't you clean your... however much that boat was worth. Why wouldn't you clean with something some good stuff? I was like, does he really own fucking car washers? Yeah, so the boat cost about $490,000. Yeah, a $500,000 boat. You're, I don't know. It was That that was weird to me. When I saw the center holder, he handed me this cleaner. I'm like, what? Did you got some good stuff? <laughs> it was like a weird, it was a weird deal. I was like, huh, maybe he don't fucking own car washers. So that's, that's suspicious to you. And then from there, where does it go? He goes home. And 
He takes his boat home. He asked me, his prop, we had to take his props off, but nobody steals them. And he goes, I'll take these prop boxes home and I'll bring your money back in, in these prop boxes or something. And I was like, well, fuck, I could whatever, dude. That's... Yeah, but that was his, his deal. He always had a plan. Like, I'll get your money, this is how I'm going to do it. So you're like, all right, go home, get my money, bring it back. You know, instead of just saying, I'm going to go home, get your money, he had he had a, a plan how he's going to do it to make you feel better. Like, oh, well, okay, well, prop box. So he leaves? Oh, yeah, he leaves. Goes back to Chicago. Here's night, late afternoon, left, drove all night, you know. I think it's like eight hours, seven and a half hour drive to back home. And then, is he calling you, like, in the days after? Is he following up? Does he give you radio yeah, silence? Yeah, he, he still, I think he still has the house full of stuff here. So, yeah, he still talks. I don't think, but I, after that day, I don't think he ever told me when he was here. I don't remember seeing him after that, I don't think. You know, once he took the boat back to Chicago, I don't think he ever, he did come back because he had to clean out that house. I know he got stuff out of the house, but I'd never saw him again. He would, he would t uh, call or text message probably because I was texting him. Hey dude, where's my money? Where's this prop box? And there was always some guy, and I don't remember the other guy's name that would, I'll have my guy run it down to you. I'll, I'll lock it because those prop boxes would lock. So I'll lock it in there and he'll bring it back to you. And he can't get in it. The key, I'll have a key. I don't remember that. Maybe it was still at his house over there. Like, I'll tell you where the key's at when it gets there. So it was some bullshit story like that. And how long, so how long is he stringing you along for? At first, so I got like, Till I was pissed. Yeah, till you're pissed. I mean, anything else happened? Was, like September, you, probably October. October tenth, maybe was when I finally was like, "Hey, dude, I want my fucking money." Like, I got, I got tired of listening to the excuses. You know what I mean? They do. So probably the end of September, I give it to them. About October, mid, mid October. That's when I was like, dude, "What's going on?" Like, and during all this, I, I, what I did for a living, I was done. Uh, so November, I would have been done for the season. So I have all winter off. But my grandmother, was she had passed away before I got done that year. So I think I kind of forgot about Rick. I mentioned something to him, like, hey, dude, I want my money. I got to go back to Texas. My grandma's passed away or passing away. So, and I think when I, once I went back to Texas, I didn't hear from him. I didn't even talk to him for a while. I just had other stuff going on. So I left him alone. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, he wasn't the first thing on my mind anymore. For sure. Not a priority. Family's always a priority. Rick is not family. So. Right. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, after that, I think he, he texted me and asked if everything was, I think I told him, look, I got to go back to Texas. I got time for to listen to your bullshit. So I went back. He, I think he texted me like something about how's your grandma doing, or I was like, she passed away. And I think I had to 
I didn't pay for her funeral. I upgraded her funeral. So I had a, a, quite a bit of money out. I think I used that as an excuse. Hey, did I have to, uh, I, my grandmother paid, she didn't have a lot. You know what I mean? But so I upgraded everything that she had bought. She had bought her, her, her package or whatever it was. Well, I didn't like it. It's, she, it was cheap. So I upgraded it, paid to upgrade it. And I, so I texted to him, hey, dude, I need some of that money. I need all the money, but I need some. I've spent a bunch of money on my grandma's funeral. And he's just, oh, I'm sorry. I I, I don't have it right now. I'll, I'll try to get you something. Uh, I think that's how that went. Wow. Talk about heartless, man, you know? <laughs> oh, he didn't give a shit. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't. At the time, it was still new enough to me, like, you know, dealing with him I had no idea how heartless he was yeah I don't think anybody of uh, I don't think any of us had that uh, that notion at first um, obviously in hindsight we all know how heartless he is now I mean just listening to your story and everybody else's stories uh, it's pretty remarkable um, yeah so but he wanted you to if he, when his problems were enormous, even the dumb ones, you know what I mean? I had, how does your wife being pregnant and sick affect you from doing, I mean, it would stop, it's like his whole world would stop. Just because Shannon got warning sickness. Like I couldn't get to the bank, Shannon got, she, she's sick at the house. I was like, oh, dude, you owe me 30 grand. Give me some goddamn crackers, run down to the bank, send me some money. <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you, dude. Yeah, well, he's always the victim. That's part of the yeah, con yeah. man story. I mean, um, so he's it's obvious that he's got you for like six months or so. Um, you uh-huh. get back into town from Texas, you know. Do you ever see Rick again in person? No. I never saw Rick again. And then I, I started talking. Maybe I asked questions. I asked uh, my buddy that he rented the house from. I was like, Did you, have you heard from Rick? And he said no. And I don't, and that's kind of when I figured out maybe he didn't get paid. He got, or he, he didn't get all the rent. I don't know how much he was out. I don't remember. He told me. But Rick had snuck down here kind of, I think. And got some stuff out of the house. I don't know what he got. He left, I don't know, maybe kids' toys. Maybe he was pissed because that buddy of mine took the kids' toys and threw them away. I don't know what happened. But Rick was pissed because that was his kids' stuff. I I don't remember how. Maybe a go-kart or something. That's how I figured out Rick kind of came down, grabbed a bunch bunch of stuff, and then took back off. And I thought, yeah, I never saw him again. Like, he would sneak in and out. I've never seen him. That's wild. He's sneaking in and out of the Lake of the Ozarks. Um, so this kind of pushes us what into like 2017, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and it what so, so you, you talk to the landlord, you can't, he eventually tells you he's out some money and then Mm -hmm. are you talking to anybody else down there? I mean, you asking questions to anybody else that you knew ran into him? Uh, yeah, there was a, couple buddies maybe the guy that owned the gym he thought he was the guy that owned the gym he's friends with everybody you know what I mean he likes everybody 
but I, I don't know if he liked Rick. Maybe he, the way he talked, something was weird about Rick. And I have another buddy that had met Rick, and I don't know if Rick tried to pull some shit on him, but he's pretty, pretty smart, I guess you would call him. And him and Rick did not get along at all. And that buddy of mine warned me about him. I should have listened to him. But I was like, oh, you're full of shit, dude. You just don't like each other. A couple meatheads. And if this buddy would have got a hold of it, I don't know what their problem was exactly, but they didn't like each other. But if he would have got a hold of Rick, from what I know now, even as big as Rick is, this dude was big too. You know what I mean? He would have tore Rick's fucking head off. So I, it seemed like he would avoid him. He would stay away from him. So like then, when we would go, but even when I was around Rick, the guy didn't like him. So Rick would always, well, is he going to be there? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, don't, I, don't, I have no idea. Why? Did Rick didn't want to run into him. Yeah. So there's a good chance maybe he knew or, you know, some people just have a sense about others. But my guess yeah. is, Rick, if I had to guess, and this is just a theory, it would be Rick probably pitched him at some point. Um, or he just had a strong feeling in his gut that Rick was a, a shitty fucking human being. Um, so I would say Rick pitched him something. He called called bullshit on it that made Rick mad. So Rick bucked up like he always did, but this guy didn't back down. That'd be my guess. Right. Um. All right. So. You're asking around. I mean, I, I, I have to assume at some point, you know, you're starting to talk a little bit about this or ask other people because there's a way eventually, you you know, I got to you, um, but but there there had to be a path to get there. So let's kind of talk about that if, if, if we can. So um, yeah. did you have any conversations where you realized that other people had been scammed, con, defrauded by Rick Dugo? Yeah, I don't know who it was with. It was not, Russell did not tell me. I don't think Russell's the one that told me at first that he gave Rick money. Somebody else might have. And I just didn't. And then there's a couple other younger guys maybe that worked with Russell or did the same thing. Maybe they were tattoo artists. They gave Rick a little money and I started learning about them. Well, I think Russell, I don't remember, he made that post. I don't. What year did he make that post? 18? No, uh, in in 2017. In the, uh, yeah, in the, in the late summer of 2017, he posted... Um, and we'll kind of explain this. Russell James Fisk, a very famous tattoo artist in Lake of the Ozarks and in Kansas City, um, posted uh, on Facebook um, all about losing money to Ricky Dugo and that uh, within 48 hours of his post, um, something like 18 people had reached out to him and he had accumulated a total of over two million forty three thousand five hundred dollars in losses from people that reached out to Russell James um, he actually ended up taking that post down so you knew Russell James right. correct 
I did. Yes. Yeah. Um, I knew him from the way. Like, we weren't real good friends. We were, I mean, we were acquaintances. We knew each other. I, the, the tattoo shop he worked for here, I knew the owner, you know, fairly well. So me and Russell got to know each other, and then he moved to Kansas City to start his own place. And I think he called me. I, I might have been right before or after that post went up. And told me that, you know, Rick got money from him. And then the other two guys. And then he introduced me or had asked if he could give my number. Maybe that's how it was. I don't remember to a guy named Faraz. And then he called me and I found out that I think I, I text Rick when he moved into Faraz's house. He rented his house. Correct. And I was like, dude, you're going to move into, I don't know how much the house is worth. I just like, you're going to move into a million dollar house and you're not going to give me my goddamn money. And I think, I don't remember what his excuse for what happened about that. But I had known, I already knew that Rick, because Faraz told me, I think Faraz sent me a voicemail. Yeah, uh, like a voicemail on his phone so I could confirm whose voice that was because Rick claimed to be Jeff Clyde. So this is when I started figuring out that he actually took uh, quite a bit of money and did a bunch of shady shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, mean, I knew my money was, by then I already knew it was gone. Right. I it's gone. Right. So, so, and I think Faraz sent me that. I listened to it. I called Faraz back. He goes, who is that? I said, that, that's Rick Dugo. He goes, that's not Jeff Clyde. Like, no, it's not Jeff Clyde. Thank you once again for allowing me to borrow your minds and your ears. We just heard part one of Brit's story. We head out to Missouri and hear about how Dugo loved to spend his summer scamming and stealing from the good folks down in the Lake of the Ozarks back in 2016. A random gym meeting turns into a pseudo-friendship. That can only end up one way for Brit. Coming up next, we will hear part two of Brit's wild story and hear more about the string of excuses and lies that kept him on the hook. <laughs>